Have you wondered why all of these woke corporations are destroying their brands and making their customers furious and their shareholders furious and their employees furious? Well, there is a powerful force behind the scenes, the vampire squid of vampire squids, that is causing this, and it goes much deeper than you can imagine. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Behind the Deep State. I am your host, Alex Newman, Senior Editor at The New American Magazine. We're going to actually do a, a three-part series on this, folks, because it's such a big topic. It's such a critical topic, and yet you probably have heard nothing about it from the fake media other than uh, that those grumpy, mean, old conservatives just hate people, and that's why they don't like BlackRock. Well, there's much more to the story than that, folks. Uh, and I'll start off by saying that, uh, you know, despite what you may have heard— it's not all about money. In fact, it's about much, much more than money. It always has been. And I think that's very easy to prove. And so uh, you guys know very well that over the last few years, we've witnessed this insane transformation of corporate America. We've seen uh, some of the most iconic brands that you can think of, uh, Bud Light, Target, Disney, Ford, right? brands that are as American as apple pie, uh, just basically doing harikari, right? committing suicide, just alienating all their customers, shocking the conscience of normal Americans. Uh, it seems like every company in the world, at least in the United States, is going mega woke. Uh, they're promoting the, the man-made climate hoax, the, the, you know, let's mutilate our children with surgery, uh, let's, uh, you know, globalism, uh, get rid of Christians, uh, you know, the, the nasty race-mongering stuff about you're an oppressor, you're a racist, whatever, all, all the craziness. Um, and, and there is... Something that's happening here, folks, these corporations are not just deciding to do this just for the sake of destroying their companies. There's much more at work here. Uh, and it involves something called the environmental, social, and governance metric. Uh, so you, these companies have these scores. Now, on their own, these scores would not be all that significant. You've got another one, uh, the diversity, equity, and inclusion. I, I call it D-I-E, the die, right, where corporations go to die. Um, and, and really, it's incredibly unpopular, right? The customers don't like it. The employees don't like it. Even the investors don't like it. The shareholders, the managers don't like it. And so it, it's a major money loser, as we saw with Target, as we saw with Bud Light, as we saw with Gillette. I mean, all, all these stupid companies that keep doing this. Um, and yet they keep doing it. Uh, and we keep hearing conservatives say, oh, go woke, go broke. And yet they keep doing it. So what in the world is going on, right? Why are these companies doing this catastrophic damage to their brands, to their shareholders? Well, there is a monster behind the surface that is uh, orchestrating all of this. There's a, a powerful entity. Uh, there's actually a few of them, but there's one that is kind of leading the charge. And it has a name, a uh, obscure, bizarre name. It's called BlackRock. Yeah, BlackRock. Uh, so this is the world's largest asset manager. They've got something like $10 trillion under management, depending on what day you hit them. Uh, for some perspective, that is more than the gross domestic product, the GDP of every country in the world, except the United States and communist China. And uh, what happens here, you, you've got this uh, crazy CEO, Larry Fink, we're going to talk quite a bit about him. And uh, basically, this, this overlord of this mega company, this investment manager, when he says jump, he's got this letter to the CEOs. Uh, when he says jump, uh, CEOs and, and board members uh, of all the Fortune 500, they say, how high, sir? Now, why do they do that? Well, we'll get into that. It all goes back to the ESG and the die. Now, uh, you probably remember, and I've talked about it before, the, the uh, journalist Matt Taibbi from uh, Rolling Stone, he referred to Goldman Sachs back in a 2010 article as the great vampire squid wrapped around the face of humanity, relentlessly jamming its blood funnel into anything that smells like money. Uh, it's a brilliant description. Uh, it's positively brilliant. 
But, um, you know, the, the vampire squid is not alone. In fact, there is a power behind the vampire squid. So the biggest stakeholder is BlackRock. And, of course, uh, BlackRock is much less well-known than its diabolical cephalopod minion, uh, Goldman Sachs. But BlackRock is orders of magnitude more important in terms of business and in terms of politics. Uh, it is basically the grand poobah of all the vampire squids, not just Goldman Sachs to borrow from Taibi's language. Now, uh, the power of this entity is difficult to comprehend. Uh, it owns more than 5% of most of the S&P 500 company. And technically, it doesn't own it. Uh, the people whose money it is managing, the institutions whose money it is managing own it. Uh, that's according to CNBC. Uh, and these tentacles extend into every corner of the global economy. Um when you look also at State Street and Vanguard, uh, two other giant investment managers that operate in the same space, uh, when you combine that with BlackRock, uh, they are among the largest stakeholders in basically every major company that you can think of. Uh, in fact, uh, BlackRock is often the largest shareholder, the largest stakeholder, even in companies that compete against each other. You got you know, Pepsi and Coke, both brought to you by BlackRock. Pfizer and AstraZeneca, both brought to you by BlackRock. It's incredible the power that this thing has. So uh, there was a really, really good expose of this financial monolith uh, done by independent journalist James Corbett, who was just recently interviewed by my colleague uh, Veronica for, uh, for the New American Magazine. Uh, you should go watch that interview. And you should also check out his articles about this. He does a real deep dive into this. And he starts off his article with this really interesting thought experiment. So in, in the um, in the article, he starts off with like, hey, you, you don't have anything to do. You go shopping at Walmart. And uh, guess what? BlackRock is one of the top stakeholders in Walmart. Then you buy some Coca-Cola. What? Guess what? BlackRock it dominates the uh, landscape there. Then you go to Moderna to get your Moderna shot. Well, there, BlackRock, again, has about a 7% stake. Then you fill up your car at Exxon, and whoop, there's BlackRock again. Finally, you get frustrated that BlackRock owns everything, so you go home and you say, I'm never going shopping again. You buy stuff on Amazon, and whoops, BlackRock owns one of the largest stakes in Amazon, too. No matter where you go, BlackRock is always there like a bad neighbor, right? <laughs> Sorry, wrong, wrong ad. But um, what happens, folks, is uh, once BlackRock buys these enormous positions in these companies, uh, they basically tell the company to go woke. And if they don't go woke, uh, what happens is the BlackRock will divest or they'll threaten to divest and uh, they'll threaten to remove board of directors members. They'll threaten to remove the CEO. Uh, they will do whatever it takes to force these companies to get woke. Now, as we'll see in, in part two of this series, a lot of this actually was done with your money, not just because they're investing your money, but because BlackRock has been a major player in the bailouts Um Former colleague of mine here at uh, the New American, uh, Daniel Natal, did an episode about this. It's not go woke, go broke. It's actually quite the opposite. It's go broke, go woke, because, of course, you needed to go to BlackRock to get your bailout. So uh, very important to remember this, folks. But what happens is BlackRock then comes in with these giant ownership stakes, and it's not even their money, right? Uh, but they say, hey, you need to promote LGBTism. You need to promote climate change nonsense. You need to buy carbon credits from Al Gore. You need to put a bunch of uh, transgenders in your razor commercial. Uh, and then what happens? The companies say, well, we don't want to do that. Our customers are going to hate us. People are going to think we're insane. What, what do you mean? Why should we do that? And Fink says, mm, well, you're going to have to because if you want to keep uh, our investment, if you don't want us to divest, if you don't want us to use our shareholder power to oust you, you better do it. Now, Fink has been fairly open about this. I want to show you a little clip where he actually talks about what they're doing in very, very plain language. This is during a 2017 discussion hosted by the far-left fake news purveyors of the New York Times. But listen to this. At BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. If you don't achieve these levels of impact, your compensation could be impacted, okay? You have to force behaviors. And if you don't force behaviors, whether it's gender or race or 
just any way you want to say the composition of your team, you're going to be impacted. And ultimately, it's still going to take time, but I am just as much shocked as Ken is that we have not seen more opportunities. We're going to have to force change. How do you force change, though? How do you do something more radical? Have you thought about that? Has the board of American Express thought about more radical things we could do to enhance diversity and inclusion? Every citizen of the firm has to understand what is acceptable behaviors and what are unacceptable behaviors. If we are not a mirror of our, who our clients are, we're going to fail. You have to force behaviors. and Forcing? Behavior change, yes, uh, and, and you know it's not just forcing behavior change on the companies, right? Uh, it's forcing behavior change on the people who work for those companies, on the people who manage those companies, on the people who own those companies, and even on the people who consume goods and services from those companies. So what they're doing, folks, is they are weaponizing these uh, clowns at BlackRock. They are weaponizing your money, right? Whether that's your your four hundred one k, your retirement fund, whether you bought into some ETFs, uh, whether you have you know a state pension or a local government pension, whether you have uh, insurance products, annuities, uh, what they're doing is they're taking all this money that you have invested and they're using it to force these companies to do what they want. Uh, and it's actually even bigger than that, folks. They have uh, something they call Aladdin, and we'll get into this more um, uh, later, but they have this thing called Aladdin. It's short for Asset Liability Debt and Derivative Investment Network, and this is kind of like an AI-powered computer system that does supposedly risk management. And even their two biggest competitors, even BlackRock's two biggest competitors, Vanguard and State Street, both rely on this Aladdin thing. And uh, basically, uh, BlackRock has come to completely and utterly dominate the American economy, American business scene, and also uh, worldwide. And so uh, I want to get a little bit deeper into ESG and how this works. Now, uh, to, help, to, to hear uh, Fink and his fellow globalists tell it, it's all about, oh, we're just sustainable. We just don't want climate change, blue, blue, blue. Uh, now, when you hear those buzzwords, you need to recognize this is an ideology. It's an ideology from the pit of hell. And uh, we've been exposing it here at The New American for decades, right? Agenda 21, sustainable development. So sustainable development, for you to understand, means uh, get rid of private property rights. Slowly, of course, right? You'll own nothing, as Klaus Schwab likes to put it. Uh, and so they got Agenda 21 in 1992. Uh, lest you think Agenda 21 is a conspiracy theory, as some of the fake news purveyors like the Clown News Network say. Uh, here's George H.W. Bush talking about it. Uh, we've signed a climate convention on the importance of economic instruments and free markets were included in this mammoth uh, Agenda 21 document and the Rio Declaration. Uh, and, of course, the Uni Party loves this, too. Uh, leader of the Communist Party in Congress, Nazi Pelosi. Here she is talking about how great Agenda 21 is going to be. Uh, the Earth Summit Environmental Leadership Act, as this is known, presents us with an opportunity to follow up on the important work of the Earth Summit to develop its blueprint, Agenda 21, for environment, global environmental action. HCON Res 353 outlines a comprehensive national strategy for sustainable development in accordance with the principles of Agenda 21. All right, folks, so, so sustainable development, Agenda 21 is not a conspiracy theory. It is a fact. Now, in uh, 2015, the clown car known as the United Nations 
came up with Agenda 2030, the so-called Sustainable Development Goals. Now, this is a roadmap, they said, to transforming every area of the world. It's been embraced by virtually every national government in the world, including the Obama administration. you got these 17 goals, 169 targets that literally impact every single area of your life. Your health care, your education, law, agriculture, property rights, uh, abortion, vaccines, mental health, water, fisheries, uh, you name it, Agenda 2030 covers it. Uh, to give you a sense of how significant this is, uh, the head of the U.N. General Assembly, when this um, uh, monstrosity was ratified, uh, Peter Thompson, he called it the Master Plan for Humanity, which, uh, you know, talk about a God complex. Then you had uh, U.N. Secretary General Ban Ki-moon at that time. He said this was the Global Declaration of Interdependence. He called the uh, U.N. General Assembly the Parliament of Humanity. There's just like a parliament, right, coming up with this crazy stuff. Now, the U.S. Senate never ratified this, but governments all around the world jumped on board. Uh, the communist Chinese dictatorship, most murderous regime in all human history. They bragged that they played a crucial role in developing this global roadmap to technocracy and totalitarianism. Uh, on the religious front, you had the Vatican and all kinds of religious groups around the world jump in. I did an article about this uh, in 2019 for The New American. Uh, the uh, Global Religions for Peace. They had their, their meeting in Germany, funded by the U.S. State Department, by George Soros, by the Rockefellers, by the United Nations. And they all agree they're going to line up their churches, their mosques, their, their synagogues, their temples, their pagan things, uh, they're all going to be lined up with the global SDGs. And that's where uh, the World Economic Forum and BlackRock come in. Right? Uh, now, uh, we'll talk about more, more about this in the next segment, but uh, of course, uh, Larry Fink is a member of the Board of Trustees for the World Economic Forum. Now, the World Economic Forum signed a strategic partnership with the United Nations back in 2019 to bring the businesses of the world on board with this global sustainability regime. And Fink is leading that charge by forcing companies companies to adopt these ESG standards. Uh, now, my colleague, William Jasper, did a cover story on ESG in the New American Magazine. This was just recent in uh, April 24th. It was called Biden's ESG Agenda. Uh, you should read that for, for more details. It's very, very good. But essentially, ESG is this idea that companies have to focus not just on making money for their shareholders, which is what happens in a free market. A company exists to serve shareholders, to uh, make money for shareholders. And of course, they do that by serving consumers, by taking inputs, adding value to those inputs, and then selling them to willing customers, people who need those goods or services, people who want those goods or services more than they want the money that it costs. Uh, so it's a wonderful system. It has unleashed the greatest boom in prosperity that humanity has ever seen. But Klaus Schwab doesn't like that idea. Uh, and he has said so. He believes in uh, what he calls stakeholder capitalism. Uh, and of course, uh, the World Economic Forum says we need a little bit of Marxism to uh, save capitalism. That's weird. Uh, he also kind of describes the stakeholder capitalism as a system in which corporations must serve the stakeholders, like the governments. Uh, let's roll that clip. The multi-stakeholder concept, which means that business leaders should not only be accountable to and serve shareholders, but stakeholders, which means all those communities who have a stake in the company. And here, of course, you have governments. Mm -hmm. So serves the stakeholders, yes. Uh, and so that is what they're doing, folks. Uh, they want these corporations to serve not just their shareholders, but also the governments, which, you know, Klaus Schwab is very proud of. We penetrate the cabinets of the governments. Uh, we can roll that clip. Notion to integrate young leaders uh, <coughs> is part of the World Economic Forum since many years. And I have to say, um, 
when I mention our names, like Mrs. Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin, and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, of uh, Argentina, and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. And so that is ultimately what Fink is doing, folks. He is radically restructuring all the companies, and um, and and BlackRock says this, right? Um, it, it, they they actually brag about how uh, you know we got to be. Uh, here's what he says in one of his letters to uh, clients. He says, as stewards of our clients' capital, we ask businesses to demonstrate how they're going to deliver on their responsibility to shareholders, including through sound environmental, social, and governance practices and policies. Right? This is that infamous letter to CEOs that uh, Larry Fink sends out each year. Now he he kind of paints this as like an inevitable transition. And we're just being good stewards of our shareholder money. Total baloney, right? Total baloney. If you look at the ESG funds that divested from fossil fuels and coal and oil, uh, they were down massively in 2022. I mean, they were down, you know, 20%. You look at oil, you look at energy, it was up 60%. So all the idiots who invested in this ESG nonsense and were divested from oil and energy, well, they lost massive money and they lost massive potential on the upside by owning the oil company. So that, that's how bad this is, right? This is not about making money for you. This is about uh, really restructuring the economy. And so Fink it makes very clear what they're going to do to you if you don't, right? In uh, one of his letters uh, from last year, he says, sustainable investments have now reached $4 trillion. Actions and ambitions toward decarbonization have also increased. This is just the beginning. The tectonic shift towards sustainable investing is still accelerating. Now, one of their big goals is what they call net zero, which, of course, is totally impossible. They know that it's preposterous. The idea that we're going to reduce all greenhouse gas emissions by human beings to zero which the only way to do that is to exterminate all human beings, and then the animals and many other sources will release CO2 into the atmosphere. Uh, so aside from the fact that that's obviously impossible, um, they are pushing that really hard, at least in America, right? They don't care how much CO2 the Chinese put out. Apparently, Chinese CO2 is more equal than American CO2. But American companies, the American economy, must get rid of all CO2. So in his letter to CEOs, uh, Fink made very clear that resistance to this global predatory agenda is totally futile. He says every company— and every industry will be transformed by the inevitable transition to a net zero world. The question is, will you lead or will you be led? Now, this is very similar to the crazy language that uh, Klaus Schwab used in announcing the Great Reset, right? Every country, every industry, every company must be transformed. And these are not idle threats, folks, uh, you know, to, to show you kind of how this works. In 2021, uh, Exxon's leadership had decided they were going to pursue their own path for dealing with alleged man-made climate change, which is a total hoax, by the way. Uh, go back and watch our videos on that. But uh, rather than uh, obey the dictates of this corporate-funded environmental movement, uh, so BlackRock decided to weaponize your money and force this giant energy company to submit. Uh, they actually voted your shares, the shares of their clients, to add some new directors selected by activists or the climate activists to the board of directors and to force them to implement this ridiculous program. Um, and, you know, to give you a sense of how bad and how dangerous this is to America, uh, all the scheming by BlackRock, they had to slash their oil production. And that very conveniently allowed the communist Chinese controlled PetroChina, one of BlackRock's big investors, to go ahead and grab Exxon's oil fields. And, uh, you know, this is not surprising. Uh, Fink seems to have a soft spot in his heart, kind of like uh, Justin Trudeau and um, 
uh, Klaus Schwab for the mass murdering dictatorship in China. Here's what he said. He says, markets don't like uncertainty. Markets like totalitarian governments where you have an understanding of what's out there. Democracies are very messy, as we know, in the United States. Uh, uncertainty. Markets don't like uncertainty. Markets like actually totalitarian governments where you have a uh, understanding of what's out there and obviously we're uh, the whole dimension is changing now with uh, as you said a democratization of uh, of countries and and democracies are very messy as we know in the United States uh, you have opinions changing back and forth so uh, this is one of the major ironies right the, this whole push for ESG the net zero stuff well you're just going to ignore the 8000 ton shrieking dragon wearing a diaper on its head in the room that's communist China, of course. So Fink and all these ridiculous ESG purveyors, you know, they're, they're real hard on American companies. Oh, you're not promoting enough homosexuality. You're not slashing your CO2 emissions enough. You're not communist enough. Uh, well, when it comes to communist China, well, we don't mind so much, right? You can do whatever you want. Uh, in fact, we'll funnel American money into your military companies that are developing AI technology that will one day be used to slaughter huge numbers of Americans. What could possibly go wrong, right? So Fink and his fellow globalist clowns, uh, they claim to be ever so concerned about climate and the environment and human rights. And yet, while they're funneling American money into the most murderous and the most environmentally destructive group of gangsters to ever walk on this planet, suddenly they don't care so much. Folks, this is a threat to our national security, and it is being completely ignored by Fink's buddies in the government, and it's being completely ignored by the media companies that incidentally have BlackRock as the biggest or one of the biggest stakeholders. So BlackRock's obviously not alone on this, folks. Uh, you know, they, they have uh, gotten others to jump in on the ESG bandwagon. They, there's a whole alliance of asset managers in this kind of quasi-conspiracy to manipulate the market and destroy all competitors who won't bow down. Uh, now, uh, we'll talk more about this in in third part of this series. You know, the, the law enforcement in many states have been investigating. In fact, I've spoken with several uh, state attorneys general who've launched investigations into these ridiculous practices. But uh, folks, if left unchecked, uh, BlackRock and its fellow travelers are ultimately going to bankrupt all businesses, all industries that do not meet the demands of the Nouvelle Order, as uh, the globalists like to say. Um, and, uh, you know, they want to totally transform, totally rearrange the economic system, the political system. And uh, they are using this monster to do it. So, folks, we need to be very careful here. Um, they will crush us if we don't stop them. So stay tuned. We've got more in this series. Keep tuned to thenewamerican.com. I am your host, Alex Newman. This is Behind the Deep State. Until next time, thanks for watching, and God bless you all. As a lumberjack, I've been cutting wood for decades. My job is pretty straightforward. I see the wood, I chop the wood. My axe goes through every time. You remember when everyone bought all the toilet paper? And they wanted me to wear these things? And someone invested a lot of money into this stuff. They say I'm part of a global plan. I don't think so. It's too hot, it's too cold. You know what? The weather changes. We even hear crazy ideas on how kids should learn. Here's the news, Dad. Is it, son? Is it? What about this one, Dad? Nope. It's hard to tell what's real and what's fake these days. There's just too much baloney out there. At the New American, they cut through the baloney and give me the truth. Visit thenewamerican.com and subscribe to get 50% off the cover price. And if you want an even better deal, 
use the promo code 10OFFSUB. Again, that's 10OFFSUB for more than 50% off.